0: Get out the way. Who got a watch? Who got the time? I'm raising the clock? Even in my feelings grind, don't
1: stop. Hello, we are here with CJ Scarlett, better known as the Badass Grandma. I love that.
0: Hi, CJ. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Welcome to Mature allure Thank you so much. I am just so honored to be invited to be on your show. Thank you, thank you. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself? Sure. I am a danger expert, badass grandma, and author of five books. My fifth book is coming out November 15th. So um the I can't wait to tell you all about that. Yeah. Well,
1: let me ask you one let me ask you this out, out the gate. Badass grandma. Why mm-hmm. brand yourself badass grandma? Which I love by the way.
0: Well, I was um, a firefighter with the Forest Service when I was 19. I was a U.S. Marine from 20 to 25, 20 to 25. And so I was already a total badass, but then I had grandkids. And what happens after you become, have grandkids, you become a grandma. And so I became the badass grandma, which suits my brand just beautifully. And people love it. They really respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about your grandkids. How old are they? They are, I have a six-year-old granddaughter and eight-year-old boy-girl twins and they belong oh. to my 39-year-old son who lives 11 miles from me so I get to see them all the time and they're they're my my reason for writing the books that I've written.
1: Okay, okay. Well, you your books are Badass Parenting, Heroic Parenting, The Badass Girls Guide which speaks to outwitting predators,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Neptune's G- Gift. Let's start with the ones that are more focused on just protecting yourself protecting your kids
0: talk, sure. talk about them for us okay after i had grandkids i started having nightmares i mean i've been a criminal justice expert and danger expert for 30 years i have a master's degree in human violence i've worked i've run a child advocacy center for abused kids i've worked at the attorney general's office as a director of victims issues i know victimization and crime and danger like nobody else does and I also was a victim myself as a child and a teenager. So I really understand how dangerous the world can be from all angles. But i tell you, when I had grandkids, everything changed. I started having nightmares every single night about the awful things I knew could happen happening to my grandbabies. And it was unbearable, Sherry, just unbearable. And so I, um, I'm a photojournalist trained in the Marine Corps. So I thought, well, I write books, so I'm going to write. And so I wrote the first two books are Badass Parenting and Heroic Parenting for Parents of Kids 0 to 9. Uh, they're the same book, except Heroic Parenting is PG-rated and Badass Parenting is not PG-rated. Interestingly, <laughs> they sell 50-50. Wow. So, yeah. Um, they cover who the predators are, and it's almost never strangers. Only about 10% mm. of the crimes are actually committed by strangers. Um, in the case of child abductions, less than 1% are committed by strangers. It's mostly family members. And not wow. necessarily parents who are who are kidnapping the children, and um, I cover things like bullying and cyberbullying, online dangers, sexual molestation and assault, kidnapping. In the new book, I cover sex trafficking. I'll talk about that in just a moment. And I talk about what parents can do and what what they what they need to say to their kids and how they can say it in a way that won't scare their kids to death. But yeah. they will get the point across that, so that children will feel empowered, like they have the tools, and the information they need to be able to stand up to predators and to get away from a dangerous situation.
1: Well, that brings up a good point, how they can talk to their children without scaring them to death, especially mm-hmm. since they're more than likely scared anyway. Like you said, you were constantly fearful as a grandma. Mm-hmm. So can you just share like a point or two? Like, how do they have that
0: conversation part of it is keeping open lines of communication with your kids from the time they're babies you have to mm-hmm. conversate body safety conversation actually can start when they're in diapers instead of just kind of manhandling a baby to change his diaper you can say i'm going to change your diaper now let them know mm-hmm. what's happening and when you when they get to the age where it's okay for them to for you to ask permission do that is it okay if i you know sometimes you have to change their diaper or give them a bath or whatever and they really don't have a choice about it but you don't you don't have to make them kiss grandma or grandpa if they don't want to. You don't make them yeah. make them have to kiss or hug Aunt Lulu if they're not comfortable. You just don't. I told my grandkids from the time they were tiny tots they'd never had to hug me if they didn't want to. And one time my granddaughter said she wanna hug me and it broke my heart, but I was like, yeah. hey, you go girl, you do you. Yeah. Um there's so many things that kids can learn that are very ba- it's very basic information. Um, trusting your intuition. That's not scary. Having strong boundaries, physical and emotional boundaries, so that you know when someone crosses them. And then three, having the moxie, the information to know how to protect yourself if somebody does cross a boundary, like by saying no. Mm -hmm. I swear that if someone had taught me when I was a little girl that I could say no to adults and other kids, most of the things that happened to me would never have occurred. Yeah. We teach our girls, especially, to make nice, to make everyone feel comfortable around us, to not say no, to be a good girl.
1: And it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know what I yes. mean?
0: Like, yes, you were supposed that. to
1: be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: If someone's standing too close, if somebody is pushing your buttons, if somebody is saying something inappropriate, it's uncomfortable. It feels awkward. It feels really bad inside sometimes when you're not used to it until you get the habit of it, of saying no or saying, that's not cool. Please don't talk to me that way. But I tell you something, when you set a boundary like that, as uncomfortable it is, as it is and let that just sit, if they're a good person, they'll apologize and they'll change their behavior. If they don't, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're a bad person and you need to get away from it as quickly as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about your work as a child advocate sure. and how you work with abused children and why it's, it, it's so important. To, well, we know, like you said, you're a survivor yourself, mm-hmm. but let's talk about your work as an advocate
0: sure when i was in um so all the things that happened to me led to me um developing severe ptsd that i did not deal mm. with i didn't tell anybody about the abuse and the rapes that i had suffered i just swallowed it and swallowed it and swallowed it and what happens when you swallow poison you get sick and my yeah. body became ill and i was diagnosed with several autoimmune conditions lupus and scleroderma and some others in the very same week that i decided to get help it's like my body said you deal with this, or we're not we're not going any further. I, I heard a quote once. It was it goes, "Disease is a soul screaming through the body." Mm. Disease is a soul screaming through the body, and I believe that now to be true. I know that my autoimmune conditions a, a, a very high percentage of people with autoimmune conditions have a history of childhood abuse of some kind, physical mm. or sexual. Wow. And so when these things occurred, and I swallowed it and swallowed it all those years, I had to pay a big price for that. Um the reason I became oh so when I when I finally got into therapy when I finally got help at the local rape crisis center um I started volunteering at the rape crisis center and then I got on the board of directors of the rape crisis center and then I was in I went back to college to finish my bachelor's degree and was given the opportunity to go on and get my master's degree and so I studied human violence it's an interdisciplinary mm-hmm. degree of criminology and sociology in the humanities and I studied you know, personal violence to institutional violence, war and terrorism and all of it. So I've got a pretty good idea of what people can do to other people. And while I was in graduate school, I got the opportunity to work at the Child Advocacy Center for Abused Children. And I'll tell you, it was it was difficult some days to see these poor children come in who had been so traumatized. But what was heartening is that six months after getting our services, they would leave happy, healthy kids. Mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass said something along the lines of it's easier to build strong um, adults than to repair broken or to to build strong kids and to repair broken adults. Mm -hmm. And I'm paraphrasing there. And it's true. When children are told it's not their fault and they get the help they need, they can, they're very resilient. They can bounce back. It's when we don't tell, it's when we don't get help that we pay the price. It's so interesting
1: that you said when you because when you were talking about what you were studying in criminology and all of that, I was like, wow, how has she how was she able to take all that in? Because on the surface, we know that there are some really bad people out there and that terrible things can happen. But when you see it firsthand or you read about it, or you're studying it, it's like, I can't believe somebody would do this to someone else, let alone children.
0: It's pretty dark stuff. And yeah. as dark as it was then in the 90s, it's it's gotten even darker with the online dangers. At any given point, there are a million predators online looking for people to victimize. I mean, your yeah. child, <laughs> you protect your children during the day. You keep an eye on them when they're at school, but if they take their phone into their room and they go to sleep at night, Mm -hmm. they've got predators in their bedroom. Yeah. And it's a scary world for our kids out there, but it doesn't have to be that way. Again, if we arm them with their, with the knowledge and give them the tools to know how to say no and defend themselves and avoid sketchy people in the first place. Mm -hmm. Predators are looking for people who don't have confidence. Confidence is the number one predator repellent. So they're looking for adults and children who um are desperate for affection and attention. And so they look for children from broken homes or single parent families or kids who have issues of some kind. And if we don't give our kids those tools, yeah. we're making them more vulnerable. And then have to be. Yeah.
1: My mother would always say, if you're not watching your children, believe me, someone else is watching them
0: wow that
1: that was always her thing and she was very protective but she was like if you're not watching them trust that someone else is watching them so people like you said they're looking they're they're predators you know and
0: they're looking for that person that someone might not be watching you know and predators groom the whole family often they don't just groom kids sometimes i mean if it's a if it's a a priest or a coach or a scoutmaster or a step a, a boyfriend or whatever they'll work really hard to make the, the woman or, the, or the, the man feel like they're a great person and try to build their trust so that they can get access to the kids.
1: Wow, wow. So it's not just the
0: children that they groom, it can be the adults too.
1: So I just want to talk a little bit about this, if you don't mind. You're a survivor of childhood molestation and sexual assault while you were a college freshman. What message do you have? To others who may be struggling with some kind of trauma like that and or assault, you know,
0: it's twofold. First of all, please tell someone, please, please, Mm -hmm. please tell someone it's a it's a a hard and impossible secret to keep you. Again, it's like drinking poison every time you swallow your pain, every time you swallow your trauma, every time you don't speak your truth and it becomes bottled up inside that can make you sick and it can make you mentally sick as well. And it can lead you into getting into similar relationships over and over and over Mm -hmm. again, because you've not dealt with what, what happened to you. So the first one is to please tell someone. And then the second one is to get help. Um, Virtually every community has a local rape crisis center where they can get free one-on-one and uh, group counseling. Save my life. Let me tell you. Wow. Really important. Well, how did
1: you take that step though? Because for some people, it might be hard Mm -hmm. to do either one of those. How, what made you take the step to get the help?
0: I got help when the pain became greater than my ability to contain it. I was Mm -hmm. working United Way in Virginia. I was in a meeting with all the community leaders, getting ready for the big United Way campaign. And suddenly I burst into tears. Mm -hmm. I had no idea why. No idea why. And I fled to the bathroom, and I sobbed in a stall for two hours, unable to tell my coworkers why I was crying. And what was happening is that everything I had bottled up—it it, couldn't—I couldn't contain it anymore, and it was—it was out there in the world. And so I had no choice but to deal with it, because my world crumbled in an instant. It's—it's mm. a—it's a, it's a very difficult first step to take. It takes a lot of courage. In fact, I've written a story that I would like to offer to send to your your listeners if they want it, called "Escape from the Terrible Garden." about a a beautiful young woman who's in a garden, but it's a terrible garden filled with dying, writhing creatures and vines and things like that that keeps her captive. And she believes she's just as vile as those, those creatures. She believes she's a terrible, that, that like I did, I believe good, good. I made good people do bad things. There was something wrong with me, not them, but me. Mm -hmm. And, and then how the woman escapes the terrible garden by asking for help and accepting help.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, wow,
0: it takes tremendous imagine. courage though, hmm, it takes tremendous it, courage,
1: yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing it I think it just takes courage just to live day by day and and mm-hmm. that's to be commended too, just to get up in the morning when you've had trauma to happen to you, um
0: yeah, now, now that you mention it, the main reason why I did it was for my sons. Because Mm -hmm. as I explained in the story, Escape from the Terrible Garden, um, I was afraid, you know, I I came from generations of kids that have been abused. We had pedophiles in the family. And I knew that if I didn't change something, my kids were going to become the next generation. It was going to be molested or be perpetrator or something. So I literally cut off all contact with my family for 11 years and focused on raising my sons and healing myself. And it was really, really hard.
1: Yeah. That's another thing. Like. How do you do you suggest going to because a lot of times if you're if your child or someone tells you, did you, do you suggest approaching the predator or how do you how do you handle that situation, that kind of situation?
0: Most states now have mandatory reporter laws that say if something, if a child discloses to you, that they're being abused or you suspect they're being abused, you have a responsibility to make a report to the police or social services. And if you don't, you are legally liable. You can be arrested for not telling. And so it's not a good idea to approach the predator by yourself in most cases because you could make a situation worse. They could deny what they're doing. Let the police handle it. Let social services handle it. But it gets trickier. What if the predator is your boyfriend or your husband or your wife? What do you do then? Or your grandparent? What do you do then? It becomes so hard to tell because you love them on one hand. On the other hand, you need to protect your child. Yeah. And the child's needs must always come first. Always believe the child and always protect the child first.
1: And so do you, I know you said don't approach the predator, but if it's a family member and especially maybe you've been through this situation yourself. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. just speaking, saying Mm -hmm. this, like, it might be hard not
0: to. Or yeah, it might be hard not to. And you have to trust so, your judgment. I mean, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. It, it okay, I mean it may be a situation ask. where the kid, your child tells you that Uncle So-and-so tickles him too much or makes him feel funny or wrestles and doesn't like it. And you can talk to the relative and say, Don't don't tickle him anymore. Don't wrestle with you you as a parent have to take the responsibility for setting a boundary the child is not able to set for themselves. In the instance where abuse has occurred, sexual abuse has occurred or sexual assault has occurred and it's someone close to you, um, you know, I I urge you to tell for the for the sake of the child and for the sake of the person who did it. They need to pay their have consequences and they need to get help themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's hard not to want to confront them. And I kind of always err on the side of. Do what makes sense to you, but don't do it with vengeance in your heart, because if you're. If your goal is to beat, the, beat their butts down, it's going to make yeah. your child feel guilty like because they told. And mm-hmm. they may not tell you anything else. They may shut down. It's not going to help you legally because then you become a perpetrator in, in the process. Mm-hmm. And so it really doesn't help anybody. Having a conversation where you sit down and say, look, this is happening and this cannot happen anymore. You have no longer have access or rights to be around my child. Okay. You know, that conversation okay. can be had. Very,
1: very good points um, you've spent more than thirty years as a danger expert. Explain what a danger expert is
0: A danger expert is a title I gave myself after I had acquired thirty three years of experience as a victim advocate and as a personal security advocate and a parent coach and had all this this personal experience with violence and I just I learned so much over those thirty three years about the things people can do to each other and the causes i mean, why people do things they do to each other. And I had achieved expert status, but calling myself a personal security expert was boring. (laughs) And so it occurred to me one day to call myself a danger expert and people love it. They're like, really, what is that? That makes them curious. It makes them ask me more questions than if I said I was a personal security expert and they assumed I taught self-defense and don't ask any questions. And I hope people ask questions.
1: Yeah. Because it is, I mean, you do focus on danger. Those things yeah. are the situations that people put themselves or the situations you may end up in. You're mm-hmm. telling people how to be more cautious and kind of yeah. keep their yeah. head on a swivel, I guess, you know, yes, in, in general. Um, so many people have their children or grandchildren in daycares, aftercares, or with sitters. What are the red flags that they should look out for when it comes to abuse?
0: If your child's behavior changes, it's one of the most clear indicators. If your child used to enjoy going to daycare or aftercare or to the the, uh, preschool or wherever, and suddenly they become very clingy and start crying when you try to leave them. Mm -hmm. If their personality changes and a normally compliant child or, or happy child becomes very sad, depressed, If a normally obedient kid suddenly starts acting out all the time and and creating fights and and, um, creating problems in in school and at home, um, these are things to investigate. One of the ways that I caution parents to do this in a way that won't scare the child and also won't make you have to be the interrogator of your child to find out what's going on is to do a safe person exercise, a safe circle exercise, where you draw a circle, a small circle, and you put the name of the child in the middle of the circle as a person they trust the most. And then the next outer circle where, is where mom and dad belong. If, if in fact, the child, but you got to let the child direct this. You're not saying put mommy and daddy there. You're saying who belongs mm-hmm. in the next circle? Is it grandma? Is it daddy? Is it me? Whoever. And then a larger circle where people who are friends and acquaintances and things like that. And then there's this big empty space outside the circle. And you just want to let them add who they want to add outside that circle of the person, people they don't trust. And you don't Mm -hmm. talk to them about it. You just, you say, now whose name do we put here Of the people we don't trust or or we don't feel comfortable with. And let your child, and this may take five minutes of being silent, which is hard to bite your tongue that long. Give your child the space to answer that question. And they may not have anybody to put in that space. But if you are seeing a change in behavior in your child, doing this exercise can reveal, um, give your child the opportunity, a safe space to disclose the person's making them uncomfortable, and then you can address it.
1: Yeah. Well, we talked about how to deal with and handle predators that are adults, mm-hmm. but I didn't even mention, I didn't think about this until just now. What about child predators?
0: I'm so glad you asked that. I, I think you're the first podcaster that's asked me that question. Um, there are, a child is more likely to be abused by another juvenile than by a parent sexually abused. Um, Juveniles usually pick on kids younger than them. The difference between child's play where it's sexual exploration, it's, you know, just normal childhood curiosity is that there's more than three or more years difference between the ages of the children, a big Mm -hmm. difference in the sizes of the children. One child has some sort of learning disability or intellectual disability. and And, you know, but there's a, there's a, or has more power over the other child. There's a differential between them, a difference between them that makes it actual legal under the statutes, child abuse, child sexual abuse, and it's so much more common than people want to believe. They don't Absolutely. want to, and, you know. If you if you find out that one one of your children has molested, another one of your children, my God, like, oh, I mean, talk about it. Doesn't get any harder than that. Mm-hmm. But there's also playmates and things. Like, I mean, I think about the sleepovers I had. Oh Lord, no. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes. I think yeah. my, my grandchildren having sleepovers, and I'm like, oh, I hope they don't go through what I went through. Uh, so I'm bent on educating them about what to do if they feel uncomfortable. One one cool way to to talk with your child is to give them two things. One is a get out of jail free card, which mm-hmm. says if you find yourself in a situation where you've made a bad choice, and like you went uh, you went somewhere where you weren't supposed to be, or you went to the party when you were supposed to be at the mall. And you know, you did wrong here. You have a get out of jail free card. You call me, I'll come get you. We, we, there won't be any screaming and yelling and everything. And we'll talk about it tomorrow when mm-hmm. everybody's got cooler heads. The other is to give them a code word or a, 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 like an X. If your child texts you an X, your job is to call them and say, you have to come home right now. You didn't, mm. you didn't have to be the dishwasher. Like I said, I'm coming to get you. Tell your friends, you got to go home. You give them an out. They know that if they get themselves into a situation or find themselves in a situation where they're with other kids or adults and they feel uncomfortable, they don't, they can't for themselves set a boundary because they're kids. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can text you something of a, either a cohort or an ex, and you will make that phone call on their phone and say, get your butt home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming well, I asked,
1: I asked that question because too, I used to work with children and, <laughs> um, I was a director of an aftercare program. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times parents, as parents, they're not thinking about, of course, who thinks about you're sending your child someplace where other children might touch them inappropriately or uh, because all the kids all come from different backgrounds, different homes, different everything. So, yeah, there was situations sometimes that would arise and, you know, it's hard. Because some of these kids, a lot of this is learned. It's things that they see and have been through.
0: You are exactly right. We would have kids come through the Child Advocacy Center that we were treating because they were predators, child Mm -hmm. predators. And they were, I cannot think of a single case where we were counseling a child who had molested another child where that, where the molester had not been abused first. They learned that from somewhere. Yeah, from seeing pornography and pornography online is—it's not like finding your uncle's dirty magazines under the mattress anymore. No, it is bad, and yeah. it can damage children. And you know, one way people groom kids and older kids will do this too. Slightly older kids will do this is to say, "Hey, come look at this cool website I found," mm-hmm. and then and then there you go.
1: It's over. <laughs> wow, what what advice would you give someone who thinks their child? A grandchild or member of the family is being abused. The child hasn't said anything, mm-hmm. but like you said, they've noticed red flags. Mm-hmm. Again, what advice would you give them?
0: I, I mentioned that I never told anybody what was happening to me, but I would have given, Oh gosh, I'm going to get weepy over this. I would have given anything to have had somebody notice and come to mm-hmm. me and say, are you okay? What's going on with you? I'm noticing these things and I don't, I think something's going on. Please talk to me. I would have given anything for that to have happened because if anybody had intervened at any point, they may have protected me and kept anything else from happening because I was, I was victimized multiple times by by different people. I was, I was a great victim because I was very eager for affection and attention. I clearly wasn't going to tell. I was, I had no confidence. I just, I fit all the, the flags for a predator. You know, I was a great victim and must plucking your courage and going to the child and very gently so you don't want to leave the child on but very gently saying i'm concerned i see that you look sad all the time and you know i'm a safe person you can talk to me and and i'll take care of you i'll protect you going to a child and saying is anybody doing anything wrong to you or "I'll, i'll i'll kill them if anybody's touching you is going to make the child shut down absolutely shut down but a gentle questioning and then If they disclose that something's happening, the hard part is to remain calm and not react and overreact and say, oh, my God, I'm going to kill them. You know, again, shutting the Mm. child down. Um, But to remain calm and say, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. I'm going to keep you safe so that doesn't happen ever again. Yeah, And then do what you've got to do to make sure that that's actually true.
1: yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and then you go into another room and you scream into (laughs) the pillow.
0: I had a conversation with someone today whose daughter was being, whose daughter was raped by someone she met online. And in the moment when her daughter fortunately told her what had happened, thank God, um, the mother went into crisis mode and said, okay, we need to call the police. We, you know, we need to do this. We need to do this. But it, it took her a long time and a lot of therapy for her, the mother not just the daughter, but for the mother no. to to deal with what had happened. But she was I able would... to remain calm in the moment, which was what she needed to do for her kid, to be there present yeah. with her child in the moment and be compassionate.
1: Yeah. Well, you've helped thousands of crime victims. How can others help too?
0: Um, be aware of the scope of the problem. I mean, I don't, want anybody to feel like they have to live in a world where they're terrified all the time of the things that can happen. Like I was doing after my grandkids were born. I was so frightened for their safety. But be aware that there are dangers out there, especially you know, crime in general. One-on-one crime has gone down dramatically. It's it's as safe now as it was when I was a kid in the 60s. Wow. Don't feel like that because the the shows on TV and the SVUs and the CSIs make it look like Crime is happening all over the place and kids are being snatched from the street like Tic Tacs and the media make it appear that the problem is a lot worse than it is. But where crime is going up in a really bad way is online. The digital Mm. dangers are real on the video games and the phones and the tablets and the computers. That's where the danger lies. And if you're not, if you put your head in the sand and don't educate yourself about what the dangers are, you cannot protect your child. And I talk yeah. in my books, the new book coming out is Raising Badass Kids A Savvy Parents Guide to Fred Tweens and Teens for Parents of Kids 10 to 18. And in this book, I talk about, and in, in my other two books, Badass Parenting, Heroic Parenting, I talk about how to have these conversations with your kids at their age and maturity level. So that again, you're not scaring them to death because that's so counterproductive. You don't want to say, Every stranger's, because it's not stranger danger that's a problem. You don't want to say every stranger's, you know, a bad person or don't trust anybody or anything like that, because you're just teaching your child to be paranoid and hypervigilant. You want them to be proactive and confident, knowing that they know how to, spot, to, to sense danger by teaching them what intuition is and how to listen to it in their gut. Mm-hmm. Knowing that what their boundaries are, because you sat down with them and said, let's talk about your physical and emotional boundaries. What is okay and what's not okay for people to say and do to you. And then what do you do if somebody crosses that line? Give them mm-hmm. that. That It's a gift to give that to your child. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, CJ, I have, it, this has
1: been a great conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: do want to, it's been a little heavy. Mm-hmm. So I do want to ask you this. So we kind of turn it around a little bit before we go. Uh, What are five fun facts about you? I know that you are the danger expert, but let's move into
0: something a little lighter. Okay. five fun facts? I've got some of these on my website. I have a list of 10 fun facts about me on the website. Okay. Um, First one is I was kicked out of Mrs. Witherspoon's business class in 12th grade for being (laughs) impudent. Impudent. She told me I was impudent for telling when, when she went around the room and said to all, it was all, all girls in the business class. We were all taking shorthand and dictation and typing mm. and all that stuff. And she said, what do you, this is in the 1979. And she said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And all the girls are, I'm going to be a secretary I'm gonna be a librarian. I'm going to be a mommy, secretary, librarian, teacher, mommy. And she got to me and I said, I'm going to be president of the United States.
1: So that's why you got kicked out, me out of her business class.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And then I spent the rest of the year campaigning to be president of the United States. It was so funny. Wow! Um, I once entered a rodeo queen contest on a dare, having ridden a horse only one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I won third place out of three contestants. <laughs> <laughs> I fought fires for the U.S. Forest Service and planted tens of thousands of trees in the mountains of Arkansas and Oklahoma. I love that wow. one. Of course, the trees are mature now, and they're probably been cut down and new ones planted already. Wow! On my first job. My first day on the job in the Marine Corps, I stopped a war. Seriously, I stopped a war. It
1: really? was just a joint
0: Navy Marine Corps exercise. But I stopped it nonetheless by calling for a ceasefire when I was escorting a media crew who wanted to take pictures of the machine gunners, take pictures uh-huh. of the machine gunners. And so they started to step out in front of the machine gunners. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are crazy. So I was like, ceasefire, ceasefire. All just <laughs> the line, ceasefire. The helicopter stopped flying. The ship stopped sailing. The tanks stopped rolling. The riflemen stopped firing. The machine gunners stopped. And I was like, there, get your shot, idiot. (laughs) They were firing blanks. But I didn't know that. It was my first day on the job. Wow. Wow. (laughs) The general came over the sand dune. Who stopped my war? And they all pointed at me. (laughs) And that's when I got the nickname Corporal Gullible. Wow. The last one is I was named one of the happy 100 people on the planet. Really? really? Yes. Yes. Marcy Shaimov wrote a book, Happy for No Reason. And she featured sure. people who were just inexplicably happy. And I was, wow. And and, we decided. We and for happy. all that you've, for all that you've seen mm-hmm.
1: to st- and been through, yeah. that's like, that's a major honor.
0: Yeah. And the, 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 the last thing I would like to say is for those of you listening who have yourself been traumatized in any way, there is light at the end of the trauma tunnel. Mm. There is, life and peace and happiness if you get help and you tell and you take care of yourself and you do what you got to do for yourself life can be more beautiful than you ever imagined
1: wow See so well, CJ, CJ I'll
0: keep being brave I will say this you
1: are a badass you really <laughs> are a badass even in your fun facts you're a badass you know <laughs> even the fun facts about you so thank you very much if you want to share how people can get in touch with you if they you know just want to talk or just really get some insight from I me. Mean, how can people get in touch sure,
0: with you? I love that. I'm very accessible. My email is cj at CJ Scarlet, And that's Scarlet with just one T like the color red. cj at CJ um, My website is www.cjscarlet.com. Reach out to me. And if you want a copy of that short story, Escape from the Terrible Garden, I will send it to you.
1: Awesome. Again, thank CJ, you so
0: thank you for
1: being here. Thank you for being a mature Lord. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mature Allure. For more information about us, visit MatureAllure.net and get social with us on Instagram and YouTube at Mature.Allure, Facebook at matureallure, and Twitter at Mature underscore Allure. Till next time, we encourage you to stay positive, embrace who you are at every stage of your life, and always tap into your Mature Allure.